Hey, this is Scotty Vermillion. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Daniel Boone podcast today. We would like to invite you to worship with us at Daniel Boone Baptist Church in Gate City, Virginia on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock. Or you can join us on Facebook for live sermons and daily interactions that will keep you in touch with God and in step with His kingdom. I went on a little bit of a journey this week. Um, in, in in all honesty, we're going to use that verse a little bit, but uh, let's pray. Let me ask God to, to, to speak and dismiss my thoughts. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. And God, I pray over the next few minutes that you would speak and that you would dismiss my tongue and that you would just use me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, anyway, I, I kind of... I want to compare that really the one who seeks finds what he's looking for. Uh, but in all honesty, if you, if let's just be honest, sometimes we, we know we want something and we ask God for it because he birthed it in our spirit. You ever had something in your spirit birthed? You didn't know exactly specifically what it was, but you, it's there. And then you start looking for it and you go behind the wrong door and it's not there. And too many times, if you're like me, I'll, I'll look in around this door and it's not there. I look in that door and it's not there. And then I'll just sit down and get mad and wait for God just to come pour it out on me. You know what I'm talking about? And, and if we apply that really to our lives, that's what we do. And as long as we're sitting there stubbed up and aggravated at the Lord or aggravated at situations in life, you know, we're never going to find the God's will that's underneath the, the piano bench. And so the Bible verse says the one who seeks finds, but you got to seek you know, it's like harvest time. How many of y'all are farmers or grew up in a family of farmers? Raise your hand. Okay. Did the corn ever pick? Did you ever wake up one morning and the corn just just be in, in the barrels and already pick itself? No. You got to go pick it, don't you? Yeah. Corn don't pick itself. That's kind of like peace. You can pray for peace all day long, but you got to take it. You got to take it. You know, I said that last week. Peace is only needed when you're in turmoil, but you got to take it. You can pray for progress all the time, too, but you got to walk towards progress and protection. You know, we pray for protection all the time. We're going to, we're going to dive right into that today. How we pray for things, we pray for God to, uh, to shower down His Spirit upon us, but then we, we never create an environment. I, let me take that back. We sometimes fail to create the environment that will encompass His peace. If I watch teams, no matter what sport it is, and you can see it too, you can tell pretty quickly which teams are like this and which cultures and climates and environments are like this and, and, and conducive to winning. And you can see pretty quick which ones are toxic too. You know what I'm talking about? It doesn't take long. Uh, but today I've given you bulletins. If you don't have them, then take one home with you. Today's going to be an interactive word. I want you to come up with your action plan because I don't know where you are. I might could guess, but, you know, I'd say we're all struggling with something uh, personally, individually. And I know that because if you're growing towards the Lord, there's adversity that's coming your way. That's just the way it rolls, okay? Uh, and so when I think about today's uh, message, I'm, I'm thinking I want you to make it your message. And so today's title is Action Plan. And here's all that means. You're going to put down some stuff today when it comes to your mind. If, if you need to ignore me for a minute or two, and just start writing what you, what you hear from God, then do it. I'm just giving you an example of how God spoke to me this week. I started looking for this. Uh, the moment I get out here on Sunday, I start looking for next week's. And sometimes I don't find it until the Sunday before, I mean the morning before. But this one started coming, and I didn't know it last Sunday. And so basically what I, what I learned to do this week is something that I've done before, and you're doing it too, is I learned to take what, what the Lord was speaking in that moment and store it somewhere. 
Write it down. Okay, so I started writing things down, and I'm telling you about 10 times this week, and I've got all 10 of them for you, I thought the Lord had given me the message, and here's the title. I'm going to share them all with you, but in, in all reality, he hadn't. He had given me a plan that addressed where I was kind of, where I, my mind was, and, and I believe it's for you, because Friday he spoke a word to me for you, and so I want to give you today, I want to leave you with an action plan. Because I believe it's time to take action. And here's what I mean by that. Many of you, myself included, have prayed long enough for something. We've asked God for something. We've, we've been in, sitting in expectation long enough. And now it's, it's time to take it. Time to take the next step. And so I don't know what your step one is. But today I pray that God speaks it to you. Uh, I got this, this part of it on Friday. And I'll share that with you as we go. But, but seldom do we understand how important it is to create an environment for the Spirit of God to move into. Now listen to what I'm telling you. It's super important that you create an environment for the Spirit of God to move into so that He can bring you the relationships that He has planned for you what we're doing with these kids. Every, every time we, we speak and pray over them, we're creating an environment, an open heart for them to hear the voice of the Lord so that when they get out on their own, and it'll come sooner than you know, when the Lord speaks, they'll say, I've heard that before. You hear what I'm saying? Now, I'm, I minister to kids daily at, in a public school who have never been in a church. They've never heard a verse of scripture. You know, and I'm going to show you what their life looks like. And you guys that are in education, will, in a few minutes when I show you the picture, you're immediately going to say, yep, that's it. Okay. But today I want you to get an action plan. Okay. We're going to look at a bunch of scriptures. If we do nothing in this church, we're going to talk about the word of God. Okay. Uh, passage number one, and this was the first title that I came up with. Hey, I want to say this too. You know, sometimes the hardest thing in the world is not knowing what to do. We know what to do. It's doing what we know what to do. That's hard. You know what I mean? That's hard. God don't bless the amount of word that you know. He blesses the amount of word that you do and me. But the first title I came up with was Those Who Seek Find. Matthew chapter 7, verse 8. Let's read it again. It says, For everyone who asks receives. Let me ask you a question. If your child had a need and he or she came to you and it was a need that you had in your pocket, to give. I'm not talking about a five dollar bill. I'm talking about a need. And they asked you, who in here would withhold that from your child? None of us, right? God has an abundant supply of all of our needs. Now we say that in the church of God, and we shake our heads and we say we believe it. But how do you acquire the things that He has for you? Well, number one, you got to ask Him. Let me let me let me say it this way: Some of us never receive the things that God has for us because we really don't ask Him. Am I wrong about that? We think about it, we hope for it, but how many times do we get along with God and say, "Okay, God, this is what I want." This is what I need. Now, if you don't have it now, it might be that it's not time for it, or it might be that God's trying to change your question, okay? But we don't ask. Sometimes we don't ask. Sometimes we ask and we sit around and wait for God just to pour it out on us. That don't happen to me very often. It has. I've had a few answers. God just come and give it to me. But most of the time, I have to go looking for them. I go behind that door, and it's not there. I go behind that door and it's not there. I get some help from a brother or sister. There's much, much wisdom in, in good advice from a, from a godly uh, counselor, brother or sister, and they help me find where the, where the will of God is. 
And so those who seek find. It says, for everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks, what's that word? Finds. Isn't that good? Simple, isn't it? He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened to him. And so those who seek find. I thought that was the first title this week that I was going to get, but God led me from there to something else. Jeremiah 33.3. And I think this is important. We need to dial him up. There's an old song. Y'all remember that song? Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. Anybody ever heard that one? (laughs) That's a good one, ain't it? Dial him up. What's his number? Now, here's the deal. When you start asking God for things, I believe that it's important you put yourself in the right environment to receive what what you're asking him for. You can't put yourself in the middle of a chaotic situation I said, put yourself in the middle of a chaotic situation and then ask for God to rain down peace on you. It don't happen like that, okay? Now, sometimes God will allow you to get in a chaotic situation so that you'll ask him for peace, and then when you ask for peace, you'll get the peace, and then he'll show you the way through the chaotic situation. Don't don't misinterpret or misquote what I'm telling you. But Jeremiah 33.3 says this. It says, call to me, the Lord said through the prophet, and I will answer you. That's proof right there enough for me to know that if I have a need or a want from God, I need to get along with him. And, and it ain't none of your business what my need is. And it ain't none of my business what your need is. But God already knows, so why not just go ahead and confess it to him and say, God, I have a need. Can you, can you help me fix this? And a lot of times he'll, he'll help you develop your own action plan. But he says, call to me and I will answer to you and show you great and mighty things. And I love this part, which you did not know. There's things in my spirit still yet, and I know you have them too. There are things in my spirit that I know the Lord is birthing because I sense them in my spirit. And as I go to him, he will show me those things which I do not know. Isn't that awesome? Dave and I walked through a season, I told you all last week, with some confirming words back and forth. Um, And he showed us some things through each other that we did not know, but we felt in our spirit. Cotton used to be, Cotton Roberts is here today. When I was a young, young man, I, a long time ago, I'm getting old and gray, but he used to be one of the people I would go to with a dream or a feeling or a vision, and he'd help me interpret it. Am I telling the truth? We'd pray about it and interpret it. And so it's important that when you have those things from God, and they don't have to be big things like where am I going to work, who am I going to marry, all that stuff. I'm talking about sometimes it's little stuff like, God, my child is in this situation, and what am I supposed to do now? I told you all the funny stories about when our kids started dating. We laid in the bed and cried like, oh, no, (laughs) they're dating. What does that mean? But, you know, we just had never had that separation, you know, from them. But anyway, that's a long story. I didn't mean to embarrass you guys. But go to him. Dial him up. Jeremiah 33.3. That was a title at some point in time this week. Number three, listen, we don't have a lot of times because we don't ask. We ask and then we sit on our hind end and wait for God to pour it out. Or number three, and this one's huge, write this one down, we linger. We linger. Do y'all know when, when, uh, when the angels came to, to Sodom? Read that passage in Genesis 19. It says that Lot lingered. It doesn't use the word linger, but it says he stayed around a little bit. And here's what that did. I'm, I'm just going to take it and, and just bring it real quick. Lot's lingering around Sodom. When the angel said, get out of here, get your family, get, get out of here, his lingering was an attitude. And his attitude of indifference towards sin cost his wife 
to turn into a pillar of salt. Now, now I can't, I can't necessarily explain that to you, but I believe the Spirit of the Lord told me that this week. Think about it. Men, we're going to read a passage here in a minute that illustrates that you are the leader of your home. And the attitude by which you lead with the people that follow you, your wife first, they will also acquire the same attitude. And so when they got so far and the angel said, don't look back, why did Lot's wife look back? My opinion is, my opinion is, is because she was in an environment that didn't want to let go of what was back there in Sodom because she was following the lead of Lot, her husband. I mean, Lot, just think about how crooked his mind was getting. He offered up his two daughters. He offered up his two daughters to men and said, here, take her. Now, that's how the culture influenced him. And God was showing mercy to him. He was God's. He belonged to God. But if you get in the wrong environment, I promise you, you'll make the wrong decision. If you have the wrong mindset in the wrong environment, oh, no, let's say it this way. If you have the right mindset and you think you can go to the wrong environment and influence the environment, I got news for you. It doesn't work that way. God can do anything he wants to. But the teams I always feared when I was coaching are the teams that culturally and climate-wise, they had they had a culture of winning and they had a culture of how to do it and making it, making it work because culture beats strategy all day long. Be careful about the environment that you put yourself in. Lot lingered in Sodom. Lot had lived in the enemy's camp so long that he picked up some of the enemy's character traits. You know that's what happens, young people? When you pick the wrong friends or you, you, you hang out on, on, on your thing in the wrong places, on your phone you'll pick up some of the character traits of the enemy and of the world. And so he offered up his two daughters. I told you that story. But, man, this was my third, this was my third title. And uh, we're going to read 1 Corinthians 11, 8 through 12. But, men, they will follow where you lead. They will follow where you lead. Okay, and I'm going to say this, too. I don't, I don't want to leave out the ladies. Ladies, they'll follow where you lead as well. Okay. They'll follow where you lead as well. In the kingdom of God, there is structure and order. God created man and he created woman. And he's the one that created marriage. He's the one that created family. He's the one that created government. We're voting Tuesday. Okay? He's the one that created all that. All that belongs to him. And so read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 8 through 12. It says, for man is not from woman, but woman from man. She was taken from the rib of man. And it says, nor was man created for woman, but woman for man. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head. Now, here's what that means. Here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that woman's lesser or that man rules over woman. That's not what that means. It means that God placed man in, in order, in his order, to be a covering for the lady. Okay? And then we're going to talk about the home in another, in another sermon, but that's what that means. It says, nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman. Man's not greater than woman, and he's not independent of woman. It says here that man and woman work together, nor woman independent of man in the Lord. Verse 12, for as woman came from man, even so man also comes through woman. But all, but all things are from God. I want to say it this way. When you're talking about leading your children, mom, dad, mom or dad, mom and dad, however your, your family, everybody's family set up a little different. But God can cover all of that. He's the head. And we get structure and order from him. Study the word of God and see where, where you might need to take some steps and align back into his will. Because they will follow where you lead. And that takes me to the home, leadership in the home.
order, balance. I talked about this a few weeks ago. If I'm spending all of my time recreating and doing all that other stuff, there's not balance in my home. You hear what I'm saying? Same thing for your home. The climate of your home. What's the climate of your home? You know, I had friends that I would go to when I was in school or when I was young that I would go to their house, and I knew before I ever got there what the climate was going to be like. You know what I mean? And I really liked going to those places where I felt loved, where I felt like we were going to have fun, but where, where I felt like we were going to be able to eat good and all that stuff, you know, the little things. But what's the climate like in your house? What are the words like in your house? What are the words like in your house? And it takes me to my next title on my search for the title for the sermon, Dwelling Place. Dwelling Place. Go to Psalm 91.1, and I'm going to read verse 1, and then I'm going to read verses 9 and 10, and we're going to break this apart a little bit. It says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High, that's the Father in the home. You hear what I'm saying? That, that, that's not who he's talking about. He's talking about the Lord. But I'm saying that we're, God built everything instruct in order but it says here whoever dwells in the shelter of the most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty now what's the shadow of the almighty and i I don't know that that's what this means here but i i liken that to to like the spirit of god you know this this when the spirit of god casts a shadow it takes the direct sunlight off and gives me a place that I can rest and see and, and all that stuff. It says he'll rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And verses 9 and 10 says, if you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. It doesn't say no harm will come your way, does it? It's coming your way. It's coming your way. Harm's coming your way. Adversity's coming your way. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that means I'm in it. I'm in the valley of the shadow of death. It says, thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. But it says, if you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. And so remember, keep in your mind dwelling place, environment, a culture, okay, culture. Now, we can take that in a bunch of places, the culture of your own body, the temple of God, and then the culture of your home, the culture of your church, the culture of your community, the culture of your country. We've already lifted our country up to us. We know it's in bad shape. It's cultural. Everything is cultural and everything's contagious. And so what's your dwelling place like? The shadow of the Almighty, in, in my opinion, that's where the Spirit of the Lord is. It's where the Spirit of the Lord is. Well, I know there's a passage in the Scripture, and y'all have heard it many times. For me and my, my house, we will serve the Lord. You hear what I'm saying? What's the temperature of the, of the culture in your house, your dwelling place. I want to show you a couple pictures. Go to that first picture for me. See that pelican diving down for food? That body of water is the environment that provides nourishment to the pelican. It's the way God created it. Y'all see that? Okay, here's what happens when the environment that supplies nourishment to this temple Here's what happens when it gets littered with, have you ever seen an oil leak in the ocean and what happens to the sea creatures? I go to the next picture. That is an oil-covered pelican. This pelican can't fly. This pelican can't hunt for food. This pelican is at the mercy of someone to help it. Now, we know that Jehovah Mephalti can deliver us from anything. 
But I got news for you, and you know it's true. I can't put myself in environments and create environments that cause this and constantly ask for God to deliver me from all that stuff on me. He can. He can do anything he wants to. But remember, we have free will. We get to choose how we live. And we talked about that a few weeks ago. But that's what kids, I told you educators that I was going to give you a picture. Isn't that what those children look like that come in front of us and we're trying to deal with a symptom? And we see way back behind it and we're like, man, the environment this child grows up in is all mixed with water. You hear what I'm saying? It's all mixed with water. Have you ever tried to mix oil and water? They don't mix, do they? The spirit of God and the spirit of the devil don't mix. You can't linger. I can't linger around sin and around bad thought patterns and expect the spirit of God to cover the environment that I've placed myself in. Now, you need to write that down on, in your mind. That's important. If you don't get nothing else today, that's important. Some of us make our dwelling place and the dwelling place of those that we love the most like an oil-spilled sea. And when we go to get food and come up, this is what we look like. Nasty. We talked about it a long time ago. You remember the, the quote me and you talked about? I don't even know if it's a quote. But we said, God's going to bless the environment we create. And I can't remember exactly how we said that. But whatever we create, we welcome him in. You know what I mean? That's why this church is important that we're a house of prayer, that we welcome God into this place. All right, next one. God told me this Friday, and I started not to say it just like this, but I'm going to say it just like this because I believe he wants me to say it just like this. God told me Friday to tell you that some of us need to clean house. We need to clean house. Okay, some of us need to clean house. Now, I don't want to talk about coaching too much, but I would allow some things to happen and to, to come into our program just subtly, thinking it didn't matter. And then when it cost us, I look back and I'm like, okay, I'm clean. This, we're fixing this. You know, this one's, this one's silly, but I, we fix it usually. And it happens every year. But I did all the laundry, every bit of it, okay? And when I say me, my coaches and myself, we did all of our kids' laundry. Until they, about the third time I say, don't wad your socks up and put them in there, I'm going to quit washing your clothes, and after about three or four times, about three or four times, and usually I throw grace on it, it's about 10 times, I'm like, I'm done. And I'll go in and say, guys, I'm done. Y'all can wash your own stuff. John Reed Barnes literally had to wash clothes one year. I don't remember if you were on that team or what, but uh, he washed clothes for about two weeks. And he's like, okay, guys, we're going to fix this problem. So at some level, take what I just told you and apply it to your, your temple, your home, your church, your workplace, your community. Sometimes, and the Lord told me to tell you this, we need to clean house. Go to 1 John chapter 3. I'm going to read this scripture to you. And how in the world I went from this scripture to clean house, I don't know, but this is the scripture God gave me. Okay. Now, I want you to notice something that I did all week. And this don't always happen like this, but I think it, God wants me to tell you this. When you go looking for a message from God, he will lead you or allow you to be led in multiple directions. And you'll run across scripture after scripture after scripture. And you don't know that the one you finally find is going to tie with the second one you found. And God's going to build this house out of these scriptures, this topic that you might be going on to look for an answer. But 1 John chapter 3, verse 7 says, Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous. That makes sense. He who practices righteousness is righteous. 
just as he is righteous, Jesus. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, let me put a side note in. When you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, you, through him, can destroy the works of the devil. Matter of fact, he's already done it. You have to walk in it. You hear what I'm saying? He has no power over you except for the power you give him. Verse 9 says, whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him. Now, here's what that means. How can you, how can the scripture, how can Paul say that? Or uh, John, and, and it say that we do not sin when we know we do sin. Okay, here's what, this is what this means. It means that I cannot sin as a believer and be okay with it. I'm immediately com- convicted when I sin, immediately. And you, you are too if, you just, if, you'll, if you'll pay attention to the Spirit. He who is of the Lord, he who is of his seed, cannot, does not sin for his seed. Jesus Christ remains in him and he cannot sin. Because he has been born of God, in this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. You know them, and so do I. You ever run into somebody that your spirit just did not commune with, and you knew immediately that that person is not of God, and things are coming out of their mouth? We, we, uh, I ain't going to go there, but uh, sometimes we run into random people, and you just know it. It's like, oh, my goodness, the spirit of the enemy is all over this person, you know. And it doesn't mean you need to stay away from them. It means you need to pray for them and all that. Okay, but at the end of the day, it says, whoever does not practice righteousness, and I want you to pay attention to this word practice, because if we were sinless, then this wouldn't be in there. But it says, whoever does not practice righteousness, that means we try to do what's right, that's practice. That's why we have practice in athletics, because we practice, we get it wrong. We practice, we get it wrong. We practice, we get part of it right. We practice, we get another. And eventually, in that area of your life, your action plan, if you practice it long enough, you will find that the Lord will deliver you, and he will make it solid enough to where you will have the habits now to continue to walk in deliverance. Does that make sense to you, what I just said? That's why sometimes God don't deliver you just like that. That's why you have to learn how to walk in the deliverance that he's given you. Because if you practice righteousness, it says whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Hang on to that love his brother thing. We're going to revisit that in a few minutes. But this is what the Lord gave me this week to give you. Just like this. And he gave it to me just like that. The Lord told me on Friday that some of you need to clean house. Here's what that means. Number one, stop lingering. Maybe the first thing you need to put in your action plan, it might be the only thing you need to put, is stop lingering around sin. Get out of Sodom. Stop letting it be a part of your home. We're going to address that in a minute too because the first thing you think about when when you think about getting rid of it in your home, it's getting rid of people. That's not what God is saying. When you get rid of it, you will become attractive and they will come to you. Now, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Stop lingering. Number two, draw a line and hold the line. My wife is a whole lot better at that than me. When, when the kids were young and needed to learn that lesson, you know what I'm talking about, that lesson that could lead to something else. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? The thing that leads to something else, to something else, to something else. She saw, she's, she's very good at seeing it on the front end and she's better at holding the line than I am, Okay. You need, some of you need to draw the line on something. I don't know what it is. And hold the line. Don't back up on it. Thirdly, create a safe space. And I want to say it like this. Create a holy space where the spirit of the Lord is. That's all that needs to, to say. Create a safe space where the spirit of the Lord resides. You hear what I'm saying? That should be where your home is. 
Now, sometimes that's, that's difficult because a lot of times what the enemy will do is he'll bring division, he'll bring anger, he'll bring that stuff that tends to get in families. And we have to create, we have to be diligent and intentional on creating a safe space. And then he told me this. He said to tell them that culture beats strategy. Most teams that have the right culture will beat a more talented team. Probably 80 to 90% of the time will beat a more talented team who only, they don't have the culture, but they, they try to beat you with strategy. You hear what I'm saying by that? They know what to do, but they don't have the culture. They don't have the environment that welcomes success. It's like us not creating an environment that welcomes the Holy Spirit. That's important. That's important. And then he said to tell them that double-mindedness on spiritual matters. You hear what I'm saying? Double-mindedness on spiritual matters leads to confusion, instability, and almost always creates chaos in your home. When you say one thing, or when you do one thing and say another, I had a parent the other day. It's funny. It's so funny. <laughs> We're talking about, you know, and I, I, when I, we investigate situations and some of them are, some of them are more serious than others. And this one was a moderately serious situation. And when I had to meet with parents, the one parent, uh, the first thing he said, well, I know that my child didn't do that because my child has never lied to me. I said, I said, what? <laughs> What'd you just say? Really? <laughs> so it's that client, it's that environment, you know what I mean? So that's where he learned it from. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, he learned how to deceive that way. But double mindedness. James one eight, read this. He it says he is double minded. The man that asks for something from God but don't believe that God's going to give it, it says that man's double minded and unstable in all of his ways. That is convicting to me. Because when I'm double-minded on anything that's in this book, and I ain't going to lie to you from the pulpit, I am. I'm double-minded on a lot of this stuff. I believe it, but I don't want to talk about it. You know what I mean? I believe it, but I don't want to, to try to preach about it because it can be culturally divisive. You hear what I'm saying? I will if God tells me to, I promise you. But until he tells me to, I'm not going to. I'm not just going to pull that one out of the bag. But at the same time, back to the point, a double-minded man's unstable in all of his ways. A double-minded lady's unstable in all, in all of her ways. All of your ways. If I have one area in my life that I'm, I'm double-minded in, it, it leads me for instability in another. Okay? That's what that means to me. So that was a title that we talked about, Cleaning House. All right, let's go to the next one. This is a good one, too. John, uh, John 8, 32. We're going to talk about it. Apply truth and be set free. Who in here, if you were honest, you don't have to raise your hand, but would say, I need to be set free from something. Some of us just need to be set free from a mindset of never measuring up. I talked about that last week. Or a mindset of, I can't get it right. <laughs> or a mindset of, I've done too much in my past for God to bless me now. That's just the lie from the enemy. Those are the people, ask Paul, that God can use in a mighty way. You hear what I'm saying? But applying truth and being set free, John 8, 32. And, and there was another title, and I don't know which one I put first. Go to, there it is. This one came out of that too. Build it and they will come. And here's what I mean by that. 
I believe, and I, I, I can't say I can't say that I'm 100% correct, but I believe no matter what environment, whatever position you're in, coach, teacher, dad, mom, supervisor, CEO, custodian, whatever your position is, whoever God brings to you, I believe if you create the right kind of environment, you build the right kind of environment based on godly principles, I believe they will come. Now, who is they? They are the people that God is going to intend to bring your way. You hear what I'm saying? And in a family, we know how, that's simple. It's our kids and grandkids. It's our, it's our kids' friends now. How many of your kids' friends, the moment that yeah, they come in, you're evaluating them, you're like, uh-uh, no, no, no. And then you hear about their past, you're like, well, they've done pretty good, you know, about their, you hear about their background, and they've done pretty good, and so you decide you want to help them a little bit. That's somebody God's brought your way. You hear what I'm saying? It said, I think in John 8, 32, it will say it very clearly. It says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We, I don't want to ever underestimate the value of church and biblical teaching for you. You need to always have somebody that will teach you the Bible and then study it for yourself, but you need a community of believers who will help you to discover the truth so that the truth will set you free. Now, what does that mean? It means when I apply truth to my life, my situation, it might hurt on the front end if I went down a path that, that I shouldn't have went down. You hear what I'm saying? That's called discipline. And those that the Lord loves, he disciplines. You hear what I'm saying? Or he's an Ill illegitimate child. But anyway, when I apply truth to my situation, what ends up happening is the further I walk into it, it begins to set me free. And so when I say your action plan might possibly need to be to take the first step of weeding out a lie that you have allowed to be a part of your home, that double-minded area is weeding. That, that might be the first step. And you might spend the next month just trying to get that first step accomplished. And while you're trying to accomplish that first step, it's going to cost some, it's going to cost some arguments. It's going to cost some tension, especially if teenagers are involved. You hear what I'm saying? But as you're trying to figure that out, you're going to go behind that door and it's not going to be there. And you're going to close that door and say, okay, that's not the right way to do that one. You know what I mean? And then you're going to go behind this door. And if that ain't the right, you're going, that's not the right way to do it either. And eventually you're going to find it, okay? And so build it and they will come. The next one was this, Proverbs 24.10, talking about the day of adversity. The day of adversity. Hmm. Oh, I wanted to throw this at you too. When we built our house uh, 16, 17 years ago, y'all Terry Olinger? Okay, so Terry did our, our scraping and doing all that stuff. I didn't know what he was doing, but I'm grateful now that he did it because I wouldn't have known to do it when I was in my 20s. He put around the top and side of our house this, so we live on a hill, so it, 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 was, a, it was kind of a barrier. It was subtle. So that when the water hit it, it would subtly just flow around the house. Have any of y'all ever had uh, flood damage in your basement? Okay, I'm seeing thumbs up. I'm seeing people, huh? I'm very thankful. I never have, and I'm not saying I never will, but for the most part, it's because Terry Olinger knew what he was doing. Now, the Lord said this to me. Some of you and, some, and myself refuse to go for help when you get in pickles from people who know, and that's as foolish as making a bad decision. Sometimes people like Terry Olinger know exactly how to do that. He's a professional, and then his knowledge and wisdom will help me from having a costly disaster later on. And you need to apply that in spiritual matters as well. We need to be able to go to people 
whom God can speak through, who can do the great work and keep us from a disaster later on. Anyway, let's move on. Proverbs 24.10, the day of adversity. And if I said if this was a title of mine and this came through a friend of mine that I played in college with and it came yesterday, uh, but it was a, it's a powerful verse. It says, if you faint in the day of adversity, if I said, raise your hand if you've had a day of adversity, have you ever had a day where everything went wrong? Mm-hmm, me too. Yeah, and, and I've had, some of you have had years like that, and I have too. Some of us have had weeks like that, and I have too. Okay, the Bible says in Proverbs that if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Now, if we talk about the strength of the Lord, that in our weakness we are made strong in Him, talk it out. Think about what I'm telling you. I only find the strength of God in my weaknesses as I refuse to faint in the day of adversity. You hear what I'm saying? When you face those things, it means, I think it means you're growing spiritually. And I think, I think that you have spiritual vision and that the enemy's coming against you or the world's coming against you. See, we have three enemies. What are they? The world, the devil, and our flesh. And sometimes it's three on one. Sometimes it's all I've got. It's me and the spirit of God. And I've got the enemy hitting me from all different sides. And it says here in Proverbs 24, 10, don't faint in the day of adversity. Don't faint in the day of adversity. You're going to have some adversity, but don't faint. It's coming. The promise is this. What God's building through you will, will reveal his glory, and it will be greater than ever before. Go to Haggai chapter 2, Old Testament, NIV. This is out of the NIV. Haggai chapter 2, verse 4. And this led me to another title, but now be strong. Have you ever had a moment where you just need some strength? Well, use this one. But now be strong. Haggai chapter 2 verse 4 says, But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua of, of Josedach, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. And work. And work. pick the corn. Work. Build the temple. That's what they were doing. They were building the temple back. It says, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. And verse 9 says, the glory of this present house, what I am now building, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, what was. What I'm doing through you now, the Lord is saying today, what I'm doing through you now might be adverse at the, right now in the, in the moment, but what I'm building through you will be greater than the former house. That's what that says. And I believe the Lord would breathe that on us today. Says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant what? Peace. Isn't that awesome? In this place, I will grant peace. A place of adversity, he says, I will grant, I will grant peace. Isn't that awesome? Declares the Lord Almighty. And so, but now be strong. And then the last one, I'm done. I like this one. The spirit of truth. If we need anything else in this, if we need anything more than this in our society, I don't know what it is. We need the spirit of truth to guard our, to guide our conversations, to guide our vote, to guide our, all of our processes. We need the spirit of truth to help us because when we are basing something on a lie, I'm telling you, and you know it, it's destructive. It will fall apart. It's like building on sand. It'll blow away. The same storm hits the house on sand that hits the house on rock. And which one stands? The one on rock. So remember that. And this is the spirit of truth. First John chapter three, verse 24. And I'm done after this. It says, now he who keeps his commandments, he who keeps his commandments, who walks in the way of the Lord, that's what we're learning to do today, in him and he, I'm sorry, he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he, the Lord, in him. 
And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Do you know that if I confess my sins and I turn from them and repent and I ask the spirit of God to lead me, when I get ready to take my next step, do you know that deep inside of my soul, that place where my mind, my emotions, my will, it will commune with the spirit inside of me. Actually, the spirit will commune with my soul and will direct my feelings unto righteousness. That's crazy, isn't it? And I'll begin to want the things that I need because they're together, I've repented. And that's what that means. That spirit whom he's given us, who abides in us, will lead God and direct us. And then we go to chapter 4, starting in verse 1, and it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Don't believe every spirit. Man, I can't tell you the spirits that are coming at our kids. If Listen to me. Listen to me. If you're not in education, you might not see it, but maybe you do. The stuff our kids are getting bombarded with. I didn't, I didn't have to deal with it when I was growing up. I just tell you, I, the stuff that I'm still, it's bombarding me sometimes. You know, you educators know what I'm talking about. It says, beloved, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know, the spirit of God, that every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. Very simple. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, the one that's not of God, the one that is against. He's anti. It says, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You just turn on TV and start researching and you'll see the spirit of the Antichrist in all kinds of areas that are coming against us and our children. Uh, in our in our society verse 4 says you are, are of God little children and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world when your little heart starts fearing the enemy or starts thinking oh he's uh, he's crazy powerful no he's not he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world that's why we repent we turn and we let the spirit of God lead us because we're more powerful in those moments verse 5 and 6 says they are of the world therefore they speak as of the world and the world hears them the world hears them some most of the spirits of the antichrist draw they draw crowds because the world hears them we are of God and he who knows God hears us Y'all have witnessed that before. You've been in conversations with folks in your spirit's communion. And it says this, he who is not of God does not hear us. And by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And so I named that one the spirit of truth. And so really there are essentially only two ways, two choices for us to live. One, as the church of God, once we give our heart and life to God, we can either walk in the spirit of God or we can not walk in the spirit of God. That, those, those are two choices. And the, the, the spirit that's not of God is the spirit of this world, the spirit of the Antichrist. And so number one, either we invite the spirit of God into our lives and let him lead us and in turn dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. Or number two, we allow the spirit of the Antichrist who is in the world and the world to, to, uh, to steer our ship and suffer the consequences. That's our two choices. Bow your heads with me as we, as we close. I want to ask you a question. What steps do you need to take to invite the Spirit of the Lord into your life? And when I say your life, I mean your individual temple, your home, your organization, where you work. What steps do you need to take 
to create an environment that is conducive for the Spirit of God to reside? And then secondly, what, what steps do you need to take to clean your house? What steps do I need to take to clean my house? And then lastly, what are you hoping for that you have yet to really ask for? Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. And thank you for your children who have come today. And God, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, that means they're not your child. It's as simple as professing your name that you, Jesus Christ, that God, that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross, and that he walked this world sinless, and, and you offered him up as, the, as a sacrifice to, to be the propitiation for our sin, the, the satisfying agent that covers all sin of all mankind forever. And if we believe that, that he was crucified and that he was buried and that he raised on the third day, if we believe that and confess that, God, your word says and promises that we shall be saved. And so if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, it's as simple as believing and confessing. And God, the rest of us, I hope, have been triggered today to think about some areas that we need to take some action God, I've asked you for some things, and I know some folks here have asked you for some things over the last little bit. But God, I believe it's time to stop asking and start receiving by walking in it. Help us to take action this week. Lead us on those paths. Lord, thank you for this, this, uh, this group of people. I pray your hedge protection and your blessings upon their walk and their families as they go this week. We love you. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.